So welcome to the Conscious Leaders podcast. I'm your host, founder of Conscious Leaders, Ruth Ferenga. On this podcast, I interview leaders who really stand out from the crowd. They're doing something more progressive or radical with the way they lead their people. And I want you to hear about them. This month, I'm bringing you Steve O'Brien. He's managing director at New Icon. They're a software development company which he started 11 years ago now. And I started by asking him just how he got to where he is now. Yes, well, it was a pretty short um, path because straight out of college, I got an apprenticeship there, Airbus and pretty much landed my dream job. So by the time I was 18, um, you know, I was working in a great team, great department. And I think my mum was kind of like, great, one child sorted. Um, and that was it. And then I stayed there for five or six years. Um, and it was, you know, it was great. It was nice. I could have been made for life, basically, just like, you know, it's my life sorted. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of, I guess, wanted to challenge myself a little bit. I wanted to, had all these crazy ideas about, um, you know, well, I wanted to, to work on brains. And then I thought, well, I want to create a company because, you know, I want to work on this science stuff. Um, and so I thought I'd leave and create a company uh, doing software. So I sort of came, left the fairly comfortable environment, I suppose, and because I wanted that challenge, I guess. And then the rest is kind of history. And then I've been running New Icon now for like 14 years. Yeah, so. Mm. And tell me a bit about New Icon. What are you, what are you about? Yeah, so we, we solve technology problems for businesses, basically. So every software um, with a focus on collaborative sort of web-based software. So yeah, well, there was still, I think, a debate, you know, back then whether, you know, companies were still still suspicious of like cloud and, and you know, what the future would mean. And it was kind of obvious to us back then that, you know, um, everything's going to go online. All business software is going to go online. It just makes loads more sense. Um, yeah, so we do everything from, you know, simple websites right through to banking portals, mobile apps. and hmm. So joined up CRM as well? Th- yeah, all that kind of good hmm. stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll integrate other disparate systems as well. And I mean, the reason I kind of came across you... Um, besides our connection is is that on your website when I was reading about oh like oh work for us type thing and I explored the culture um, yes. side of things and I was like wow there's a lot of content here about your values how people can expect to be treated the beliefs and it went into quite a big sort of I'm gonna say like manifesto about, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like this is brilliant you know if, if you really mean this this is kind of like a lot of thought has gone mm. into how you treat your employees. And, and clearly this, this podcast is about conscious leadership. So I don't know if you can talk to that a little bit or talk to like your approach to culture and things like that. Yeah, so but basically it came from making loads of mistakes, really. <laughs> um, uh, you know, coming out quite naive, thinking, right, I'm just going to hire based on skills because that's what, kind of what you're taught, right? You know, what does the CV say? Realising that's just a terrible thing to do. Um and realizing that everything, you, you know, you talk to your HR departments and they're more about, they're more focused on trying to stop you getting sued or to stop, law, you know, tribunals and things that might bog you down as opposed to what reality a business needs. Um, and it took me, you know, for someone who wanted to study the brain, it took me a long time to realize that business is a collection of people and that people are really complicated and, uh, <laughs> and they need a... Uh, you know, everyone's got a brain and each brain is the most complicated thing in the known universe. So obviously it's a big subject. So I realized I had to, to learn. And it also came from a frustration of like kind of when you, when you hire someone and there's like different mentalities and obviously they want to know how they're supposed to behave. 
And when you're a small, like, one, two per people, you know, right at the beginning, they don't know how they're supposed to behave. So they can, they can, maybe they can only draw on their past experience of other companies they've worked at. You know, people searching for how to behave and then what policies they need to follow. And there's kind of like, I'm just, are you just turning up to sort of turn, crank the handle on your job or are you turning up and bringing your passion and your thought? And, and getting that right was, was challenging. Mm. Um, and, and, and obviously showing, I suppose, leadership and how we wanted people to behave and, and being able to discuss that. And uh, like one, one particular example was uh, expense policy. I mean, it's, you know, I'm there trying, you know, I get really passionate about technology, maybe solving particular client's problem or working on a piece of software or maybe a new piece of design work that we're doing that creative energy. That's what we want in the company. And then someone's asking me, what's the expense policy when I travel? It's like, well, there's like three people in our company. What do you mean? Like you, you talk to me every day, you know, do you, do you think if you bring a receipt, what, what do you mean? What's a policy? Like, you know, use your, use your brain. I'm hiring you for your brain now. But I, I, but then from the flip side, I think I realized, well, people obviously want to know what's expected. Mm, so, where the boundaries are. Yeah, where those boundaries are. So also we need to set those. But then I did discover, because um, I, I said, well, just, you know, act in the best interest of new icon. I said, you know, obviously do something sensible mm. and um, it'll be fine. Um, so the policy is no policy. Well, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Act, act in the best interest of New Icon and, yeah. um, you know, and that's it. And uh, how does that work? Does that play out well or not? Uh, well, it's worked fine. I mean, <laughs> our clients have changed. We don't tend to really have huge expenses. But <laughs> Especially not in a pandemic. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but obviously just, just have a discussion and talk about it, you know, uh, is the main thing. If, you, if you're not sure, you can always ask. Um, mm. But you know, for for a long time, when I when I initially thought that, I mean, this was years ago, and I said, this is what I want the policy to be. Obviously, I didn't have the confidence of saying, well, am I? Is this just crazy? Am I just doing this everything wrong? And I should have all these policies and all these documents, all this ass covering stuff, because. But it's also going to set the wrong temperature in the company. It's going to set this whole, you know, you have to do X, you have to do Y, you have to do things by the book, which doesn't encourage creativity. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Netflix. Um, culture presentation I think it was and it literally had that saying in their expense policy I was like you know they they that Mm. was a that was a light bulb moment for me and what's lovely is it's obviously a big company and I can say well we're just copying you know and so that you know leadership by following other people can be great too you know yeah let's see what's working (laughs) yeah Yeah. you don't have to because you know I do think there is a limit to how much creative energy you have and sometimes you know you have to really focus that on what you want to be creative on and Mm. sometimes coming up with policies coming up with these ideas you know just like copy the (laughs) get you know find out what other people are doing Doing what's theirs and then um, embrace let's embrace those um relentlessly and and try them and with um because I remember when you said you were just three people and you know then it was kind of easy because you're like well you talk to me every day so did you notice as you started hiring more people did you notice a kind of like were there any tipping points or moments of change there or has it been quite organic and uh i guess easy to follow those kind of more freedom-based policies around or lack of policy around those sort of things like hat or the moments where you're like you know, actually, we need to start instilling some rules here. Or do you think that you're able to kind of stick to your, I guess, principles around that, that trust people, people like to be looked after? And, you know, does that always work? Because it's a particular type of culture. And I, I wonder whether you're hiring for those people that can be trusted in that way. And I don't mean to, like, box people into those that can be trusted and those that can't. Because like you said, people are complex. But I'm wondering, 
as you've evolved the company and hire more people, have you then placed more emphasis on who you're hiring in order that you can trust them? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like the, the our hiring page process changed a lot um, in what we look for. I mean, it's really hard because obviously you're trying to assess someone in two hours. It's best if we can to work with people first and then, hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, people talking about the gig economy and all this, this kind of stuff. But really that's, you know, a freelancer has a lot more rounded skills you know they're, they're used to getting feedback from clients they're used to lots of things they don't um and and just treating people in that sort of professional way initially um mm. can really help uh do you do collaboration based interview styles or do you just assess well, people it's really hard we do, we we now get them to do like um two tests and then we'll review it and we'll go through and sort of maybe give some constructive feedback on various points you know ask them what they might think about improving and try to emulate a sort of work environment where, you know, you've delivered something and the client's about to review it and you're sort of, you know, doing some quality checks, whatever it might be, just to, just to see, uh, I, I always so often talk about like a, I think this is one of the, I think it's called, you know, this is actually Apple kind of had that fearless feedback thing that we've tried to embrace as well. But, um, I think we call it, um, feedback thank you you know thank you for the feedback kind of thing but it's, mm, it's fearless it's, feedback tell me about that so it's just basically um it's a really interesting one because it's and there are, it does depend on like your personality i think but obviously knowing that that you're in that environment and just setting those rules that's what it's going to say like setting the rules preparing people for it allow people to understand what to expect you know what the game of the business is mm. um and the fearless uh the fearless feedback really comes from the point like, you know, if, if you're going to improve, you have to get constructive feedback. You don't have to embrace all feedback. Um, mm-hmm. You also need to take feedback external to yourself. So it's never a, a personal attack. It's, um, and I always talk about the, a Japanese saying, which is um, something like, if you, you know, if you don't give feedback, it's, um, it's, you know, you're almost being patronizing if you only say, oh, well, well done. If you don't offer feedback, even if it's you're not your expertise, you know, to not offer feedback is to not give potential to improve. So it's un- so unkind. Really. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost an offence if you don't. If you, you know, I've just done this. How it, there is a, obviously a flip side, which is turning people into prunes, which I I love that saying. I think that was from a management course. I think that was the other thing, isn't it? Leadership and management are very different. So, but like turning people into prunes, which is when everything they deliver, you say, oh, that's kind of a bit rubbish. I've definitely done that to my brother in the band when we so he's been <laughs> band. Uh, he'd always book gigs. You know, and if the gig, you know, which is a lot of effort, he talked to the, you know, the owner of the bar or whatever and, and get us a gig. And then we turn up and I go, oh, this is a rubbish gig, you know, yeah. you know. Family were a different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously then, surprise, surprise, he didn't want to book any gigs anymore. So it's turning <laughs> people into prunes, yeah. 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 So it's a fine balance, but. Mm. Um, so fearless feedback. So you want people to be continually giving open, compassionate feedback to each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And how have you seen, what's been the benefit of that in your company? I think it's, it's more like preparing people that they'll have that. Um, mm. So you're setting the tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's other things like, um, this is more related to programming, but um, programmers like um, pragmatic, not dogmatic. And, and that's also a testament to the fact that, yes, we have all these values, but values are a big list of contradictions anyway, right? And any idea taken too far will break. 
fads come and go and so mm-hmm. like you'll have oh this is the way to do x and mm. then everyone will jump on board but then just use that as a golden hammer for everything and then again that then what tends to happen is you don't critically evaluate something then you get this strange habit where people go no not that you can't possibly use that because not everyone else is doing it and it's like well actually what's you know um the the demands and the technology you use change over time so if you're um you know a new startup you might not need some massive microservice thing like Google if you're, um, you know, if you're at various scale. And the same for business, right? So all these things are going to change as we grow. So we're 21 people now, but, you know, if we change to 50, we're going to need to probably start thinking about another tier of management and then how that impacts and what that does to the culture. And, um, you know, then you've got your 100 people and, you know, so it, it just evolves depending on scale. And I mm. think just being aware of that um, really helps. Mm. Uh, the same with all these things, just, just critically evaluating stuff and thinking for yourself. Um, I kind of come at things, I, I have a, quite an unshakable self-belief in my, my own ability. <laughs> yeah. But this it sort of came from in, my, in the past. Um, yeah, what did that come from? That sounds pretty powerful. So it actually came from being having different opinions when I was going through sort of school. So I'm dyslexic, so... At sort of infant school, I had and, and junior school, some teachers would be like, "Yeah, you're not going to mount too much. You know, acad- academy is not for you. Maybe you should do. You know, um, you know, a few teachers calling me stupid, and my mum would march down the school and get them in a headlock almost. <laughs> but then I had other teachers that really Great believed mom. in yeah in in me. So I had these, and then and then I start. Um, I, I think yeah, just the different opinions, the the labels that people give you, you don't have to wear. Um, and so realizing that when you're young and someone tells you these things, you embrace that as part of your identity, identity. So obviously, so like I said, I was quite lucky growing up because I had lots of people believing in me. And then that I think is, and then, then you realize, well, actually anything you set your mind to, you can accomplish. It's not a matter of talent. That's the, it's as, you know, talent is something that you, uh, you enjoy and therefore spend a lot of time on and therefore you become good at it. I do, you know, I think the, we have a lot of, um, misconceptions about um, talent and I quite enjoy being thrown into a problem and then figuring my own way out but obviously if I do that to some people then you know they you need to be thrown in the deep end you have to when you're thrown in the deep end you have to know that that person will can swim right Mm. so uh, I think to use that analogy uh, yeah so when you're hiring people you said you originally hired for skills and some exchange there yeah and I wondered are you are you hiring you know you tell me, are you hiring kind of younger people that are more malleable and you want to send them in different directions or is it a range? And how do you justify slash allocate the learning time? Like, Do you worry, for a want of a better word, about how much billable time they're doing? Or do you kind of see that as like, let we're here for them to learn? Because you are a small company and that means that that's quite progressive for you to be thinking, no, I want you to spend this time really learning. Like, that's important. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll obviously break even or even lose money on a project because that person will, um, you know, have to learn. So therefore, it'll take them a lot longer. Obviously, mm. we need to keep an eye on it. But um, but yeah, we do try to embrace that. It's, it's yeah, I, I kind of feel like something's happening and I don't know what the solution is. But obviously, there's also, um, I think, gone, gone on the days, you know, when you'd have a job for life kind of thing. And it's, and mm. it's like, how do you get that loyalty? Because as a business, you want to give it. But then at the same time, people can leave. So like, you know, someone joins the company for a year and then leaves, then we've probably lost money, right? So, you know, we, we want to create an environment that is 
where people can do their best work and they, you know, and their passion. So when, when we talk about hiring, we, we hire for people who we try to look for, are they actually interested in what they do? <laughs> or is this just something that pays the bills? I mean, obviously you need to pay the bills, but... You want um, to see passion in. Yeah, like imagine we were all given a million quid. Um, we'd all had our holidays for a couple of years. What would you do to fill the time? You know, would you mm. do design? Would you enjoy doing coding? Is that a sort of question you'd ask? No, but it's a very good one. We should probably <laughs> think about adding. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and we're, we're fortunate that actually we get to, um, a lot of the time we get to, uh, we're doing a craft. Um, so we can be artisans. We can, we can be passionate about what we create. And I, and I think that's generally happening in lots of industries because anything where you're just turning the handle every day, and sure, there's always bo- boring stuff in a business, but when you're coming and just cranking the handle, well, we can automate that with robots, right? We d- so what we really need is brains, and that's what we're paying for, is that thinking, that creativity, and that's the... Um, um, and that goes, that goes for all job roles, you know, in an organisation. So um, that's what we try to encourage. Mm. Um, so that real passion have they got passion one of the main things is so um, you know you might have a degree in I don't know the history of art but if you are you know you might find that on the weekends you experiment with raspberry pies or or building blogs or or whatever it might be and you know that's the bit it's it's trying to you know I've heard other people talk about this as well it's trying to encourage people to to work in that space that gives them energy Mm. like um, that they enjoy you, know, mm. you can't be doing that all the time but you know you want to try and get most of your time working on the thing that you most enjoy um, yeah you know that's really cool yeah it m- reminds me of um wordpress and if you know automatic the uh-huh. company that owns wordpress so they they just it was just so amazing the way it started with just the wordpress blog and all these people giving their time to do use this op- open source stuff and create um you know software on their on their platform and then they would hire from that audience so they'd already had a people would be working for free uh on the wordpress community and then hiring them in and then they were very very collaborative creative employees and now they're like a thousand employees and they have a huge amount of autonomy um and the guy scott birkin who moved from microsoft to wordpress to help them yeah he wrote this book called a year without pants which was (laughs) <laughs> which is really cool um, and it was about is about this kind of extreme levels of autonomy and getting together they uh, call themselves a distributed company not even a remote company because mm. they're not face to face barely they they meet once a quarter and, you know all get together and like drink beer and code all, all night or whatever you know that's it's sort of this interesting mix of like there's no agenda they show up do a project uh, have some beers and it, it is it, it, you know, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it is interesting that that kind of creativity and motivation seems quite inherent in the mm. type of people they're hiring. Yeah, it's strange. It's because you'd kind of think like the industrial revolution like takes all of that creativity away, and you know, mm-hmm. the poor carpenter that's you know honed his craft for years suddenly is out of work. But now we're almost coming over that. I mean, I'm sure there'll be another <laughs> probably yeah. the the age of robotics, but we're almost coming over that and you can you can become a deep expert in something in many different areas, you know, yeah. and that can be really valuable to a company and, and that can be yeah, worthwhile and create a really nice environment. So I wondered how practically that so this kind of philosophy of trust of like wanting to engender the most creativity out of people, wanting them to believe in themselves as much as is humanly possible, wanting to throw them in the deep end and then helping them know that they can swim, but maybe if they can't, that there's someone offering a, a life raft. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like how easy or 
is that with hiring people and and you know are these grads are these you tell me the type of people you're hiring and what it's like to to help people because it sounds like you're very passionate about the human brain and psychology so mm. yeah how have you seen people come into the company and evolve what's worked what's not worked it always amuses me like how much interest there is in everything that's not relevant in a business like what gender you are or what you know background you have that none of that stuff matters what matters is your brain that's what we hire for so um and like i say the passion we try to look for passion in a particular field and whether you're hungry um to learn things basically because you you know whether you you do need to be fairly autonomous so at the moment when we even though in the past we used to spend you know a long time training people and like working with one-to-one we struggle to do that at our scale at the moment mm. but that doesn't so it will be like hey learn this we'll give you some pointers you know raise your hand if you get stuck kind of thing so mm. we're very much on the empowerment scale and that works for some people and some people they really don't like that so <laughs> so yeah and i guess you're in a way because as much as we have to a lot of managers or leaders need to learn to offer autonomy and yeah. it sounds like you do that more naturally but quite often more importantly or in tandem people have to learn to be autonomous when often yeah. most of us have been spoon fed our entire education so then that and maybe our work life too so mm. it then is a process of learning to experiment and trust yeah i mean you you can't be a great developer unless you can self-teach these days you know you can't just be spoon-fed the development you have to be passionate about reading other articles fi- finding out what frameworks are coming out and all that stuff you just you'll just be left and you know by the wayside otherwise and that's true of digital marketing it's true of design when the new device comes out you need a passion for it so mm-hmm. um yeah I circle back to that, I suppose. And how much do you, because presumably there's some form of like top team in your company and you talked about maybe another layer of management might be necessary if you grow yeah. uh, a lot. Like how, talking about leadership in its broadest sense, how much are people able to lead in directions or ideas that come up? Like, is that something you encourage? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, if people have got ideas, yeah, definitely share those ideas. Um, we don't have what we need to do now at our scale is start implementing and certainly with lockdown has prompted a lot of this because we used to do a lot of it in an office you know the you know round the you know round the table whilst we're having burgers or whatever but but obviously now we're all remote we um, we need probably some structure in place and we've started creating um, it's almost the culture of how you use your internal tools um, you know like have a project which is big ideas project which anyone can post their big ideas on and or talk about ideas they've had um you know so we do need to start thinking about lots of that structure and we're just in the process of moving um i think we sort of use base camp at the moment so we're sort of in the process of moving our business and seeing what that looks like on that platform we've always built our own tools but we're kind of like (laughs) we we don't have the time to do that at the moment so we're Mm -hmm. trying to learn what works best for us before we go down the route building everything ourselves and actually the culture of how you use those tools and what that means for your company is actually the most important. You get that right, then you can build your fancy internal tool, right, to, to do what you need. But mm-hmm. until you figured out um, those kind of processes, uh, you know, you, ca- you can't do it. I mean, I'm very, people probably know me, probably, I love process, but people might think, I think the, un- the opposite, because there's always unintended consequences when it comes to like setting up these rules of the game, you know, which is, a bit, which is what business is, right? You've got these funny, funny rules, that, you know, you need to make money and you need to do this. And, and 
thinking of it like a game but actually works quite well you know but mm, is that a philosophy yours to think about uh only recently it <laughs> <laughs> it's just because i'm reading um what's game storming i think at the moment okay tell about me it. about that uh, it just talks about like you know you can you can apply it to workshops and you can apply it to uh, you know you create if you want creative ideas you by um by creating rules of a game and how you play it you suddenly uh, and it is what we do you suddenly get you know more creativity perhaps or by saying actually uh, you know I, I try to usually avoid the word creativity because sometimes it can create um, negative with with people because they say oh I'm not creative type which is you know rubbish but. Um, not not to poo-poo that, but they might say, well, I'm not creative because I can't draw. But it's like, yeah, but you're still creative. You'll still be able to solve pro- Solving problems is a creative thing. Um, and everyone can do that. This game, I don't know what to call it, approach? Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> how, how does that how does that play out? <laughs> no pun intended. Um, like, how, how does that apply to a project? Or, mm. like, what, what happens practically to make that possible? Well, yeah. yeah. What I mean, are these rules you set up? Like, how does it? Work? Well, we don't really. We try not to have too many. Okay, so no rules. Yeah. <laughs> right. The rule is there are no rules. Yeah. You know. um, this sounds complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like how you, how you might decide to collaborate, or how you might decide to where you might decide to put information. You know, and, and so it's like uh, a creative game building. Yeah. Um, when in in particular, when we used to go into clients, you know, um, and solve, they're looking at us to solve the problems. When the reality is. Um, we're trying to get their uh, the ideas from them. They're the experts, and so our role is actually to to make them creative. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite a strange. Um, and and a lot of the time, you know, these can, especially if you say we, like we went into um, you know, a big engineering firm with lots of really smart people, and you know, you you, you might feel out of the depth your depth, but you actually say right, your turn to get on the whiteboard and draw something. You know, like and you kind of pass it round and and. Um, so it's creating that environment where mm. it's safe to, to play and safe to be creative and, and come up with ideas, actually. So how, what's the, so this play, it sounds like you're trying to have faith in your clients' brains and what they're capable of, <laughs> as much as your staff, so that they can, you need their creativity, you need their ideas, you don't want them to just hand it over to you and go solve my problems. You want to, like, empower them to be part of the process. Yeah. What benefit do you see, how does that, because I guess there are so many companies doing software development, right? So actually the way you run the the discovery phase or whatever it is, how how, how does that help? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously we're, we're trying to solve their problem. We often just getting a mix of various people in that room will, you know, help mm. remove some of the... Uh, some of their problems or at least discover some of the problems, like, you know, some of the barriers they might be having and... You also mentioned that sometimes you'll just sneak in as like the tech guy in the corner. And I also mentioned, remember when we talked originally, you said something about you like to get into some of the the detail of a project. Like you might like to do a bit of coding on something. Mm. Um, how is that for your team? Because I imagine you stepping back and just being in the tech guy in the corner must be an interesting dynamic change for them. Like does, how do they respond? Yeah, I mean, it depends who it is, <laughs> but uh, for sure. Uh, but it's their responsibility, you know, if, if uh, you, you can really inhibit people by being the, the, the boss and, you know, or the, the leader. So it's like just making it clear that you're running this workshop. I'm not, or, you know, I'm just going to sit there and be a pretty face and like almost be <laughs> surplus to requirements in the corner, you know, I'm just going to be smiling in the corner. 
and you run it and we'll, we'll chat about it afterwards. I'm there just to support if anything goes wrong, but I'll try to shut up, even to the point where, you know, long, awkward silences, you know, I <laughs> just, you know, just smiling away. <laughs> so you don't want to be like kind of sweeping in and like, no. actually. It's, yeah. it's really hard not to do it. I, I have been guilty of doing that a lot in the past. Like, I always, I always think leadership in terms of leadership is like um, so much easier if you're like, I don't know, saying, hey, I want to go and hike up this mountain. No, I think there's two ways. You can be the expert hiker and you can have all the gear and you can encourage a bunch of people to come with you and you can lead, you know, at the front of the pack and off you go walking and everyone will follow you. Or some people won't, but it's fine. You, you know, you sort of lead by doing. And then you've got the... But you can also encourage a bunch of people to uh, hike up the mountain. You could not be an expert in the, in the hiking boots and all the gear. You know, you can ask somebody else to do that. And you can ask, actually be at the back, you know. And so I think thinking of those two two extremes and I, I've been gu- guilty of doing both too much so <laughs> I'll be the the techie guy not involved at all and just doing the tech because I love the tech and I like the idea of being at the, at the back and kind of maybe sweeping up any any stragglers or there is an animal that I, I don't know what some like animal in Africa I can't remember it's like a herd animal and different to others it stays at the back to make sure um whereas usually you know it, the the leader of the pack will be at the front of the herd will be at the front and then you know the babies get picked off at the back by the <laughs> but in this one he stays at the back or she and and protects the you know make sure that everyone's going in the right direction and like you know hmm. picks up the stragglers and, and so it's those two extremes um i think it can be interesting to think about well i mean i always kind of conclude with kind of asking about how you look after yourself um so you know you've got a lot of people that you're responsible for maybe you don't think of it as a lot i don't know um you're trying to help them grow you want to see their their brain develop you want to tap into their creativity and support their potential it sounds like that it sounds like quite a deep-seated belief you have mm. um, i'm wondering how you look after yourself um i just i, I love learning things so um yeah i pour myself into learning uh okay uh, learning is nourishing for you yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's got to be for everyone, uh, <laughs> I would think. It's only when, you know, so many people think, say, they can't do something and have worn that label and then, therefore, you know, they don't perceive they can. Obviously, you've got to be interested in something. But um, so I love learning and, and reading and stuff like that. So I do lots of that. Um, obviously, play music quite a bit. Mm, um, I've seen all the guitars on the wall. There's, yeah. there's a lot of that going. Is that, your, is that therapeutic in any way? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely started learning piano since lockdown that's been fun um yeah I, I mean i'm working on it uh scheduling time to stop uh is important you know it's constantly glued to a device so uh yeah so scheduling some downtime mm. helps but yeah you need to schedule time to stop thinking almost as opposed to the other way around just to expect it to happen otherwise it doesn't otherwise it doesn't yeah, yeah. and it sounds like your your mum you mentioned had a really strong faith in you from a young age and do you think that or anyone else really helped you uh well i mean like i think everyone's had like key people haven't they had some great teachers that really believed in me um when i was in college and you know uh, and in uh yeah one one uh sort of gave me some you know some responsibilities code like games and um and code like databases for the school and stuff like that so that was great and and learn about that and that was a really interesting time as well because you know like learning more than your teacher on something and it suddenly 
you it's know, them cool. coming to you for help on, yeah. you know, how do you code this bit against Steve? You know, it's like, wow, okay. You yeah, know, so people who realize. enabled you. Yeah, exactly. And I think they obviously knew, did that because they knew it was nourishing. Yeah, I mean. Hmm. And what kind of advice or words would you give to a, a founder of a tech business, maybe similar to yours, who's kind of growing? Maybe they're going on beyond the three people and they're moving into the sort of, um, you know, into the sort of, maybe they're thinking of hiring a few more people and growing their culture. What what kind of, what would you say to them about the way they're doing it or what you found worked and really what you'd encourage? Yeah, I mean, you have to keep learning it. Everything's your fault and <laughs> um, be self-aware because uh, I'm guilty of sometimes perhaps not perceiving how I'm being perceived from, you know, just assuming everyone's going to be like me, which is obviously a terrible idea. Um, so aware of difference. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to think about something if you don't have a good reference frame. So some learning some of these management techniques or some of the, the things, at least you can talk about it, you can identify. I mean, even, you know, things like disk profiles and stuff like that. I mean, even like some of them have sketchy science. Just mm. having that frame of reference or how people might be thinking can really, really help. Um, and like I say, yeah, it kind of sucks because everything that goes wrong is your fault. But uh, <laughs> if you like a challenge, then that's great. Um yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. I mean, <laughs> I, you have to... Is it lonely at the top? Uh, or do you have company in other ways? I mean, every like the nice thing is I think everyone's good. I mean, we don't hide anything from anyone in the company. I think if mm. you can try to create a transparent company where you can talk to everyone about anything, then it's much more supportive. Um, you do need to show up as a leader, obviously, sometimes. But then it's just good to... Um, you know, if you're not feeling like you can, sh someone said to me once, consistency is really important. You know, if you're going to do a pull an all nighter and then go into the office and be really grumpy, you're just going to, um, you know, going to shatter the dream. You're gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's almost better not to, not to show up on those days. Um, so, so yeah, so that, I think that's the main thing, just like staying curious, staying, you know, carry on learning about other people. There's always someone who's done it before. And, and, and also like, contradictory things and then pick pick which one you know especially in leadership i mean it's so complicated like you know and business generally uh there's so many different ways to approach it uh if you've got a crazy idea just believe in it and uh try to attract people who also believe in that because they are out there um and that's what's important you know even if you get some friction mm, so crazy ideas can fly yeah um and you've got to do it early because otherwise culture is really hard to change so if you get it wrong yeah there will be an explosion <laughs> and then but sometimes that's necessary that was great steve thank you so much for a humorous whirlwind trip around leadership i feel like steve is super intelligent and down to earth and he's doing really amazing things and is humble with it and that's partly just by truly believing in his employees and their potential just like his mum deeply believed in him I'm Ruth Franger, founder of Conscious Leaders. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you would rate and review us on whatever app you're using. This really makes a difference, so thanks in advance if you can. And as always, you can find out more about us at www.consciousleaders.org.uk.